This is your Times Daily World Briefing for Saturday the 14th of May. I'm Ellie House. And I'm Emily Ferrier. The first war crimes trial in Ukraine has begun. There is a question of whether he ultimately might be treated as a prisoner of war and, uh, you know, subject to a prisoner swap. And Lebanon heads to the polls for a high-stakes vote. It's a confrontation between the 1% of the banking, financial, political and security and judicial authorities and the 99% of people who are victims in this society. The Times Daily World Briefing. The first war crimes trial since the beginning of Russia's invasion has started in Ukraine. A 21-year-old soldier is accused of killing an unarmed civilian. Vadim Shishimarin is accused of shooting dead an unarmed Ukrainian resident four days into the conflict so that he couldn't tell anyone that the Russian forces had arrived. The Times correspondent, Richard Spencer, is in Kyiv. The Ukrainians are saying he's accused of murder. Um, it's a war crime. Um, he, uh, you know, stands to face life imprisonment, yeah. as, as you would get for murder in, in most places. Um, I suppose there is a question of whether he ultimately might be treated as a prisoner of war and, uh, you know, subject to a prisoner swap. But the Ukrainians aren't suggesting that at the moment. Speaking in court in Kiev, his lawyer admitted it is an unprecedented moment. I will repeat it once again. It is the first time this article of the criminal code is under court hearing. This is the first case. There is no case law. Ukraine says it has identified more than 10,000 possible war crimes. Meanwhile, on Friday, Russian forces intensified their bombardment of the Azovstal steelworks in Mariupol. The plant is a last bastion of Ukrainian defenders in a city nearly entirely controlled by Russian forces after a two-month-long siege. Deputy Prime Minister of Ukraine, Irina Vereshuk, said on Friday that negotiations with Russia have been difficult as they try to get defenders out of the plant. Back in Russia, there are rumours of a potential coup against Putin. However, the director of the International Security Studies research team at RUSI, Dr. Neil Melvin, told Times Radio that the rumours hold little weight. So I think that there's very little evidence of a coup so far, but there's certainly some, some thoughts about discontent. He says that Ukraine must ready itself for a war that could go on for months or even years. It's going to be incumbent then upon whether Ukraine can actually maintain its initial successes. Uh, We've got new weapons coming in for Ukraine. The morale is very high, but it's going to be a very tough period of fighting, I think, in the months ahead. Dr. Neil Melvin speaking to Times Radio. We move to Lebanon, where voters will be heading to the polls this weekend in the first election since the country's financial meltdown. Tomorrow's vote has high stakes with some hoping to oust the ruling class that has presided over Lebanon's worst-ever financial crisis and was condemned for its response to the catastrophic 2020 Beirut port blast. Faraz Hamdan is running as an opposition candidate in South Lebanon. Half of the capital was destroyed and all of us psychologically as a country were wounded by this explosion. So the process after the blast was an expression of people's anger, which the authorities confronted with crime. And one of the victims of that crime was me. The election will test whether the Iranian-backed Hezbollah and its allies can maintain their parliamentary majority. 
It's a confrontation between the 1% of the banking, financial, political and security and judicial authorities and the 99% of people who are victims in this society. But expectations for a radical transformation in Lebanon's politics are low. Mohanad Haj Ali is a senior fellow at the Carnegie Middle East Center. I mean, difficult to see a major uh, shift in the uh, political scene because the uh, independent candidates did not really have much time to organize, to uh, set up their programs, and they don't have the funds to actually compete uh, with the political class. This is not really a fair elections in the Western sense of the word in, in, in terms of having um, you know, equal opportunity at uh, funding and equal opportunity at um, you know, media exposure. Lebanon's sectarian system splits the parliament seats between 11 different religious groups, making it difficult for independent candidates and non-establishment parties to break through. Adding to the uncertainty, a major Sunni Muslim party has boycotted the vote in protests of what its leader describes as an increased Iranian influence. Analysts say reformist candidates may secure some seats, but Hezbollah, a leading political party with a paramilitary wing, expects little to change. On the way, the hunt continues for eight people still trapped in a Burkina Faso mine, and could Elon Musk's Twitter buyout be hampered by bots? The Times Daily World Briefing. Mourners in Jerusalem at the funeral for Al Jazeera journalist Shireen Abu Akleh, who was shot and killed while reporting on an Israeli raid in the West Bank on Wednesday. But the funeral was overshadowed by violence. Palestinian mourners nearly dropped Shireen Abu Akleh's coffin when Israeli forces tried to stop them from leaving a hospital compound in Jerusalem at the start of the funeral procession. Police charged the crowd and stun grenades were fired. Abu Akleh's death and these latest clashes have threatened to intensify an already raging conflict. Palestinian authorities describe the killing as an assassination. Meanwhile, the Israeli military has said after an initial investigation that it isn't possible to unequivocally determine the source of the fatal gunfire. A few minutes after Friday's funeral violence, Abu Akleh's coffin was driven towards Jerusalem's old city, where the ceremony continued peacefully. The search continues for eight miners that were trapped underground after a torrential downpour in Burkina Faso broke the safety barriers in Travali Mining Corps' Perkoa Zinc Mine. There's been no communication with the miners since the flood on April the 16th, and it's not known whether any have survived. Hain Frey, the vice president of operations at Travali, says that water is still being pumped out of the mines. Given the dry season, um, obviously we do not expect rain. And we had an absolute um, torrential downpour that has never seen probably for the last two, three hundred years in Burkina Faso. Um, it's not only us that has been affected, it's also the communities around us that's affected by completely unexpected rain. Most of the workers were able to evacuate, but the eight missing were over 1,700 feet below the surface and were unable to get out at the time of flooding. Around that level of the mine, there are safety chambers stocked with food and water, but it's not known whether or not they were able to reach them or if they can withstand being submerged in water. Investigations have been launched into the cause of the accident. 
From trending to taking a break. The world's richest man, Elon Musk, has put his $44 billion deal to buy Twitter on hold. It's over concerns about the number of spam accounts on the social media platform. In a tweet, the billionaire said that he is waiting for confirmation that fake accounts represent less than 5% of users. Twitter shares dropped in response to this news. Christian Ledoux is Director of Investment Research at Cap Trust. Based on the market reaction of Twitter stock and based on his comment that he thought that there were much more than 5% fake accounts and bots, which was probably part of his strategy to fix, uh, seeing that there isn't that many would be detrimental to his plans. He indicated that due diligence wasn't necessary in his initial bid. So thus, this is very unusual that somebody would go back on something he, uh, he didn't expect to do due diligence on. Elon Musk later added that he is still committed to acquisition. The Times Daily World Briefing. Sport. With the latest on the US PGA Championship, here's Kane Reeves. American golfer Phil Mickelson won't defend his US PGA Championship title next week. The six-time major winner has been taking a break from the sport since making controversial comments in support of a Saudi-backed breakaway tournament. The fallout saw him miss the Masters for the first time in 28 years. His request to be released to play in the new competition was denied by the PGA Tour earlier this week. In an interview with the author of a forthcoming biography, Mickelson admitted he was well aware of Saudi Arabia horrible record on human rights, but was using the threat of a breakaway to reshape how the tour operates. The Times Daily World Briefing. Entertainment. The world's largest drag culture convention is taking place in Los Angeles, back for its 10th in-person event. RuPaul's DragCon brings the talent and charisma of beloved queens from RuPaul's Drag Race to the LA Convention Center where the three-day event, which began on Friday, will feature vendors, exhibitors, panels, Q&A sessions, and more. Some of the favorite stars in attendance include All-Stars Season 7 cast Shea Coulee, The Vivian, Trinity the Tuck, Jinx Monsoon, Monet Exchange, and Raja. And finally, most people choose soothing, calming music for their childbirth playlist. But one woman welcomed her baby into the world at a live Metallica concert in Brazil last week. Joyce M. Figueiro was 39 weeks pregnant when she attended the show and began going into labour as the band started to play Enter Sandman. She gave birth to a baby boy and lead singer James Hetfield rang the family to congratulate them on their new arrival. And that's your Times Daily World Briefing for Saturday the 14th of May. This podcast from The Times is brought to you in partnership with Google Podcasts.